Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the morning edition, a Monday morning edition of the Morning Tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang here with you as we start the week here to wrap up a wonderful, wonderful June month as we got just a few smattering more days until you start getting the news and the the smell of training camp. It's just a few weeks away, and we'll get you caught up and updated until then. 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line. You can reach us here on the phones. The Realty One Group listener line at 702-365-9200. We'll talk to uh, Browns reporter Mary Kay Cabot from uh, Cleveland.com, formerly of the Plain Dealer. We love Mary. She'll get us in touch with what's happening down in Cleveland and all the storylines that go with that. Also, at 8 o'clock, we will go behind enemy lines to get you in touch. you got to know thy enemy. And we will get in touch with our good friend Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. He'll talk to us about the Chiefs and what they were going through last week in their own mini camp. Matt Derrick joins us at 8 o'clock as you will. You can also hit us up on Twitter at RNR920 AM. It's Vinny, it's Heidi, it's Clay. Where's the music? There it is. Okay. Here on Raider Nation Radio. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, just fine. Aren't you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? Yeah. Always, always. I'm always. slouching. I know. Vinny's like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm all slouched up. He's on alert. That's because Heidi had a wild weekend with friends on the strip. That's yeah, what happens. Yeah, what up? 50 and party name I can't say. We had cups. It had names on it. And I can't say it on the air. You, just... So when you do you travel, <laughs> when you travel with the cups, do you just like walk around the strip with the cups with oh, yeah. booze in it, or do you like do you accept change? Well, what wouldn't you put in the cup? <laughs> I mean, There's all of, of the above is the answer, Clay. Yeah, okay. Put all of the above in the cup and shake it. I'd, I'd throw a quarter in there <laughs> just for you know, so you can find a way home. Yeah, I mean, I was dancing a lot. So I mean, I think people were misconstruing <laughs> what the cup was for. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, not a street performer, not a street performer. I just walk in here, but I like to dance. <laughs> uh, that's good. So you had friends in town? Yeah, yeah from everywhere. Birthday? What up, Tejas? Oh, that's good. Texas, Tennessee. Also, big shout out to the Santos Miss Kids family for having me. And Rodriguez. Arriba. And Rodriguez. Also, uh, so we went in there and then it was like, and then we were there and then we went. No, but we had a big, it was well, a big, long, it was shindig. As long as you can One keep of my of girls turned 50, so we had a big party for her. She brought out her whole family and like everybody that I knew from the Bay Area, they were like home to me. Oh, that's great. And so I got to get home in Vegas for a minute back to the Bay. And they said, how you like that Bay Area love girl? Gave me the West Side Doves. That's good. Did it feel we good? Had, we had a good time. Oh, heck yeah. That's good. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. So again, happy birthday, Danny. Awesome. And, uh, awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. Vinny, did you, uh, were you sweating the grill? Were you outside cooking for the fam for fam- Father's Day? I did not. Uh, I went over to the street fair over at uh, Tivoli Square. Uh, shout out to the El Dorado and Nada for taking care of us uh, over at the El Dorado. <laughs> really good uh, restaurant. By the way, I'm, 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 I'm just to be sure, because you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. 
and uh, kind of prepping for when mm-hmm. we talk uh, to our guy uh, in a little bit. But uh, man, this quote from Tyree Kill. <laughs> did you did you guys see this quote? If teams are going to give us favorable one-on-one matches against their best corner, I don't see why teams don't utilize their best wide receiver. And that's where probably like me and the Chiefs fell apart right there. When I'm like, yo, I don't mean to talk or be a diva in some situations, but can I see the pill sometime? Please. Please. Just give me the ball, please. Okay. (laughs) Tyreek Hill didn't get the ball enough in that offense. And that's the the thing. Like, If you think that uh, things are going to be better in Miami with Tua... Or Teddy Two Gloves, <laughs> you you think you're going to be like begging for you know your normal like ten to fourteen targets that are on the money. He's been doing this for like the last week or so, Tyree yeah, Kill, and it's just like, why? Whose attention do you want? Did someone not hug you? Yeah. Like seriously, <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Uh, remember when Kyrie left uh, Cleveland? Yep, yep. You know, wanted to go do it on his own. Didn't, you know, there were obviously, he was obviously not happy with how things were playing out in Cleveland. Then he goes to Boston and figures out real quick what it's like to have to be kind of the the best dude, you know, the guy, the leader, the this, the that. And he, maybe I had it pretty good in Cleveland, but a little better than I thought in Cleveland. To your point, Clay. All of a sudden, he's going from that offense, that play caller, and I and I respect the, the Dolphins' new head coach. I think he's going to be fine. But with everything around him, including the quarterback, I don't know if you know how good life was in Kansas City compared to what it might be like in, in Miami. And that's not taking anything away from Tua, but there's nothing. I think Q said this on his show uh, last week. There's nothing that Tua does better than Patrick Mahomes. And he's not even close in a lot of areas. Like, this is a drastic change uh, for, for Tyreek Hill. I just kicking people on your way out the door, eh, I don't think that's a good look. Uh, 159 targets last year with 111 <laughs> catches. Uh, 135 targets the year before. Uh, he's not getting the pill enough. The pill? <laughs> I mean, what somebody actually should need is some pills. Just get a prescription. Like real, reality check pills? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get yourself right and... Uh, just you know, be appreciative for the career that you have. Just there's always going to be someone. There's always going to be a bad apple in the bunch, and let's hope he doesn't spoil all the other apples. It's interesting though, because because <laughs> from the outside looking in, you never really you didn't sense that, right? It looked like everything was everybody was happy in Kansas City in that offense. Like everybody was getting their touches, everybody was getting their name, everyone was getting their money, uh, putting a ring on, you know, winning a Super Bowl, getting to another Super Bowl. It just seemed from the outside looking in, like you know, why wouldn't everybody be happy? But you know, you you peel that onion just a little bit, and uh, and you find out that uh, not everyone is is uh, is feeling paradise. Well, what what kind of offense does he want to be in, though? I mean, is it where he's just the one attraction? Because that's never going to work. Uh, you, you, when you're a part of a winning organization, you see what it takes to win. You see how, that uh, you know it's beyond just spreading the ball out. It's about finding the right matchups. And if you are the only guy that's out there, uh, that's you know being your uh, you know prime rib candidate, you're you're constantly being you know 15 targets a game or whatever. That's not going to last forever because everyone's going to figure out the tendencies of the offense, right. and you're going to keep getting the ball. And next thing you know. Uh, you either are, um, you know, you're not getting the ball enough. You're, you're going to get a uh, you know, ball swatted down. You're never going to have the kind of success that you'd want to because you are never going to be open. What was Kelsey's targets? Do you have that? I don't, but it's like it was uh, like high. 130, I think. Yeah, so, so less. About that. Yeah. less than Tyreek. 
I'm gonna look it up just to check yeah. my brain stats. I mean, there are other. There also there I put are, numbers in my head, and I'm like that dude in old. Uh, was it um, from? Yeah, was it a uh, Hangover where he dresses up for blackjack and like all the numbers are going through his head? Yeah, and he's oh, like, oh, that's me oh, right now. You gotta, you gotta, gotta look twitch it up. your neck a little bit because those bad apples you had over the weekend. Uh, I didn't have bad apples. <laughs> I had good tequila. Finally. Yeah. Fam kept it real. Yeah. Were you taking special uh, Gritos, tequila? Yeah. Tequila. You got to get the good tequila, the reposados and stuff, the high oh, high yeah. octane stuff. That. Not yeah. The I, I, but then, like, um, after, you know, we had that one little go around, I had to have, I took it down a notch and went to rum. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, you had to, like, mellow out. Vinny is the same <laughs> person that was telling us last week that uh, I can't digest. <laughs> I, I, I can't digest alcohol. I, I have to be careful with it. I, You know, there's some enzymes I don't have to, to break down the alcohol. When you're with friends, it's all a holiday. <laughs> it's true, though. I, I don't. I don't. It, it's like, a, I think it's an Asian thing, to be honest. Not 100% sure. I never really did the research. I just know that, like, I get that flush. I turn super red. And so everybody knows when I've had a drink. <laughs> it's like... Okay, the target numbers for Kelsey are staggering. Those are, that, That's a lot. Was it 280? 134 last year. I was right. You were right. But yes. that, that were, less than... Almost on the button. Was that less than Tyreek, though? It was, uh, it was about uh, 19 more. Okay. 18 right. more, 19 more. 145 targets the year before, 136. Y'all can see wow. As I rub together my little middle finger and my little thumb. What yes. is this? <laughs> it's the symphony it's, of one. It's the saddest little violin to ever play on the radio. I can't believe he's actually <laughs> acting like this. I mean, that first How week. How can you not believe it? All the things that he's had off the field and the things that have been said about him that he's done since college. Come on. He's making his money now, though. He but was making. I mean, yeah. he's been making money. He's been making a lot of money, and um, and you know, sometimes you just have to. I, he's a great player, but that system certainly helped him, and I'm it sure did. he's going to do well in in, in Miami. Uh, you know, getting the ball and uh, you know a, a great young play caller um, that's going to be in charge of that. But I just here's you know. my thing: Is Jalen Waddle going to be the guy that takes targets away from Tyree Kill because there's oh he's someone's mm-hmm. going to draw double coverage right right Tyree Kill probably so who's going to be the guy that's left open right if you if you can't be happy with if you Sorry. can't be if you can't be happy with those numbers and that production I'm not quite sh- and that winning like they were like knocking on the Super Bowl door every single season. He had the best of all worlds. He had production. He had money. Uh, he had targets. He had one of the great play callers. He had one of the great quarterbacks. He had a, uh, a Batman to his Robin or Robin to his Batman, however you want to uh, classify it, with Travis Kelsey. They were winning games. Um, they were exciting. They were on national TV day, week after week after week. If you can't be happy in that situation, I'm sorry. I'm wondering if you're ever going to be really, truly happy. No, he's going to a team that's uh, averaged 20 points a game. They were one of the the lowest scoring teams in the NFL last year, and and maybe we we take a look at some of the the highest scoring teams. And what does it take to have you know an uh, an elite play caller that's going to help you? Because uh, having Andy Reid uh, you know on the sideline and in your brain trust, that's the kind of guy you can go and say, all right. I'm willing to go to war with this guy because I know he's going to be good. I think Josh McDaniels is in that same conversation as yeah. an elite play caller. You would think. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> right. Uh, what, what, not not according to Pro Focus. Yeah, on his hens. 
Plural, not hand. How many rings on his hands? Hands. <laughs> you I could wear them everywhere. I got rings for thumb, every hand. You count thumbs as a finger? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's what separates us from most of the One other animals. One for the animals. thumb. One for the thumb. So I, I six. Would, I would take them off the thumbs personally so that in my ways of gripping things, it wouldn't get in the way. Yeah. It's just an obstruction on your thumb. All right. So then you Unless can you're the a fingers. true gangster. But, but you can take them off and then you can stick them on your pinkies if you really want to feel the gangster love. And then, you know, you got like how many of them? Six. Six. So Six I would just, I would go like, I would try to alternate like every other finger and then whatever fingers left, maybe it needs a thumb. I don't know. Well, maybe it, apparently that's not enough for three. pro football focus, though. One, two. I'm sorry. Three, four, four yeah. five. Yeah. <laughs> Take your shoes off and we can keep counting. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, pro football no. focus with their. No. <laughs> uh, they they did their list of uh, elite their, or the NFL's best play callers ahead of the 2022 season, and Josh McDaniels was nowhere to be found in the top six. What? Yeah, nowhere to be found. Josh they, McDaniels, the one of the six Super Bowl rings, a man of a, a, a who's like created a system that people are trying to duplicate but can barely uh, scratch the surface on it, and he's not in the top. Yeah, and um, you know, just uh, for full disclosure, this was on Pro Football Focus this week. Uh, Eric Eager uh, wrote it, uh, so it's basically his opinions. He did have a um, um, you know some metrics to look at and uh, rationale for his choices. Um, some of them are a little bit, I don't know. I, he, he's definitely somebody that doesn't like running the ball. <laughs> um, so he, he, you get docked if you're if you're a big run play uh, caller. Um, but just to just to lay it out there, his his list was Andy Reid is number one, Kellen Moore with the Dallas Cowboys number two, Byron Leftwitz with the Buccaneers number three, Kyle Shanahan from San Francisco number four, Sean McVay number five, and Matt Lafleur from uh, the Packers number six. And if you if you read the story, Shanahan and, and McVay were not on the, this list last year, so uh, they they somehow worked their way back into their good graces. Uh, to the to me, two of the best play callers in the game, and I think Josh McDaniels absolutely needs to be on this list. I mean, I uh, I don't get the Kellen Moore thing. I I can see where the Dallas Cowboys were your top scoring team last year, but is America's he, team, Clay, America's team. But he's he's the elite play caller. Uh. And uh, when they started uh, their one playoff game this year, and they were down ten nothing immediately to San Francisco, uh, wasn't that there a draw play or something? <laughs> wasn't there a big draw play that uh, that they called? It was on a, a critical down, and they 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 ran it with uh, Dak Prescott. I got to go look back at that. Um, Having every advantage you could find, and Dallas still couldn't win that game. I mean. And here's another thing about about this list, and we'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back with a little bit more before we hit Mary Kay Cabot. What what constitutes the elite play caller? I think it's points. I think that's maybe what their PFF bases a lot off of points, and the Cowboys were one of the highest scoring offenses right, in the NFL definitely. last year. So if you look at getting up to 35 points about what, four or five times in the season, I think that's what they might be trying to uh, assess when they're looking at some of these numbers, including the fact that they would often hit 400 plus yards on total offense. So that's probably what they're looking at. If you ask me in my numbers brain that is going and playing blackjack. All right, let's take a break on this and we'll talk (laughs) about uh, Heidi's brain, what Vinny thinks as well as maybe a, a, a plea for Josh McDaniels to be on this list. All that and more here on Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate here on a Monday. Edwards is out. Moreau and Renfro. Moreau is the tight end, and he makes the formation strong to the left. 
Play action. Car back by Jackpot, baby. Hunter Renfro. An extra point away from a tie here at MetLife. Hello, Raider Nation Radio. It's the Monday morning tailgate. Heidi, Vinny, Clay here with you. Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com is going to join us in a few minutes. But we're going over a list from Pro Football Focus ranking the NFL's best offensive play callers in 2022. And a glaring omission is Josh McDaniels. And I don't like it. And it, it, it seems like you can't have a list of your elite offensive play callers without Josh McDaniels' name because he's been in there and in that list for so long. Yeah, and this is we're looking at the top six, right? Um, and and Josh McDaniels is nowhere to be found. Now there is probably some recency bias uh, going on last year, but it, there there's you know circumstances as a play caller that he's dealing with in in New England. Uh, Heidi, last year a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, you're not going to just throw him out to the wolves and not protect him and not you know uh, figure out okay what can he do and what maybe can't he do right now that we can't you know uh, put that much on his plate in that regard so they became a, a heavy run team last year protecting their rookie quarterback by the way they made the playoffs and the year before it was Cam Newton an entirely different offense that he had to draw up uh, from you know compared to previous years uh, and they still played reasonably well until until Cam got hurt so uh, I'm not sure that you ca- why you don't take that into account when you come up with a list like this. So they have Kellen Moore. Just to refresh my memory here, I don't have that article in front of me. Andy Reid mm-hmm. is number one. Mm-hmm. Kellen Moore of the Dallas Cowboys is mm-hmm. number two. Okay. Byron Leftwitz for yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, number three. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan, Sean okay. McVay, and Matt LaFleur. Got it. So, yeah, it looks like to me that they're totally basing it off of passing yards times like the ratio of – points per game plus the ratio of total points. So okay. what it comes down to is the Bucks ended up at the number one spot if you use a lot of those numbers because they uh, had a total of 511 points and then 30 points per game, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go down to where the Patriots are at. They're at about, uh, in passing yards, 3,857. Then you have with... The total points, 462, and points a game, 27.2. So if they're just looking at it from the offensive output in numbers, yeah, sure. I can see where that makes sense. But in terms of intangibles, how you direct success of your team, how you, like Vinny said, draw up plays that suit the caliber of the athlete that is running your offense, then you've devised plans that make it, it a winning Way though it may not be uh, overly uh, successful in terms of output in yards, right. you're still getting the job done in a way that is getting the points. That's what I've always thought about Mac Jones. There was all this hype, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. Ah, next big thing, Mac Jones. I was like, he's very average to me. I don't see a lot that's popping off the page. Like, ooh, look at that deep ball he threw. Or, exactly. You know. And so when I see Mac Jones, he was managed well, and that's what they did with this offense. The Patriots managed it well, like Vinny said, to get to the playoffs, to get to where they needed to go. But it's in terms of if you're looking at, ooh, look, 4,800 yards like the Cowboys had in passing, not not there. So like total yards I'm looking at, like, you know, those teams that he mentioned that are, you know, Chiefs, Cowboys, Bucks, they're all over the 6,500 uh, yard mark on the season um, in total yards. So but, that I think is a lot of what they might be sizing up. But uh, if you're still sixth in points scored, 
that should give you something because you have that rookie quarterback, right? They were six last year? Six. And, and they were way up there in the red zone, too? Yeah, 15th in yardage, points yeah, scored. Yeah, they were six. Yeah, six in points That's four. not bad at all. And mm-hmm. you think about, in comparison to the other rookie quarterbacks that were out there, Trevor Lawrence, no, Zach Wilson, no, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, get out. And you did that with Mac Jones to get six in points scored? Right. That puts you up into the elite <laughs> play call point. category. Trey, Trey Lance a was point. a disaster. Well, what do we know about Trey Lance yet? I mean, North Dakota, yeah, state. Yeah, that's but that, what I know. We're talking like remember last week when we talked big leaps. Can he make a big leap? We'll yeah, I mean, it would, he would have to to even make it to year four. And then that's where you could say, yeah, Kyle Shanahan, man, brilliant. Well, he <laughs> is brilliant. Look at you, did. But look at you, did. Yes, no we we forget also. They went to the Super Bowl with and almost got to a second Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, a, an okay quarterback. I mean, a, a guy that you can't just say, here, throw the ball 30 times and go win in some games. You have to manage that quarterback and manage your offense uh, with that quarterback. And I thought, I think Kyle Shanahan is just really, really good uh, at, at what he does and at Sean McVay too. But, um, but, but Mc, Josh McDaniels has won with a lot of different um, quarterbacks, even when Tom Brady was hurt, I think they won ten games one year with with Matt Castle as their quarterback. They didn't make the playoffs, uh, but they still won ten, ten games with Matt Castle. Earned him a lot of money uh, in the process. Um, helped Jimmy Garoppolo uh, move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Jacoby Brissett got a pretty nice uh, deal leaving leaving New England Patriots. So um, for him not to be in the top six, I don't is kind of a head scratcher to me. And with, in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I would like to see him in a healthy year where he's completely healthy to this point. Because I feel like when he first came there, it was a matter of him learning and switching gears and developing as a younger quarterback. And now that he's had, you know, Super Bowl experience and had been in um, different situational football things with Kyle Shanahan like like I would just like to see what that guy looks like healthy and where that would put the offense because like this even off season he's still going through it with I think sh- shoulder yeah, surgery Yeah he was hurt last so year So it's and yeah last year and then he had the ACL he has all all kinds of things so you know again we talk about this with the Raiders right now a solid offensive line like how will you know this team be if they can protect long enough for DC to make some of these plays unfold that's some of the things that I'm looking forward to seeing in this coming year because I think that McDaniels, like we've been talking about, can scheme those kinds of things, can pick up those things that'll help lead to a lot of success for this offense. Yeah, and we're talking about winning and losing too. That's that's a big part of it. Um, and and you know, managing an offense to what whatever your your, your uh, talent is, whatever your level of quarterback you have, what your offensive line, like you said, is all about. Those are all considerations that go into drawing up a, a, a playbook. There's plays that you can't run sometimes. Look at, real quick, the Kansas City Chiefs, as creative as Andy Reid is, they looked um, – you know, pedestrian in the Super Bowl. Why? Because they couldn't protect anybody. When their offensive line got banged up and dinged up, there I don't care how many plays, how many great plays you got in the playbook, if you can't protect it, you can't run it. Well, that's the whole thing. And like uh, going into this elite play calling, uh, this list from PFF has got us uh, got us all in a bunch. And we'll get into the more of this in a, in a little bit. We also have sound from Devontae Adams from over the weekend that Heidi captured from his uh, camp here in Las Vegas. But right now, let's talk to Mary Kay Cabot. She's been covering the Browns and Guardians with Cleveland.com and longtime reporter with uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer and a great analyst with WKYC-TV in Cleveland. Mary Kay Cabot, good morning to you. How are you? 
I'm doing great. How are you doing? Well, fine, thank you. Uh, we just want to ask you, you know, uh, how would you describe how last week's mini camps for the Browns went, especially when you saw that Deshaun Watson was going to take questions, fielding from wherever they were from the media? Uh, did it was there was there a time for some business, or did it turn into a circus when all that started to go down? Well, you know, I mean, there was time for business. We we covered plenty of football in addition to covering Deshaun. We're trying to walk that fine line right. between letting fans, you know, get excited about their football team and also deal with the uncertainty of having no idea what's going on with Deshaun Watson, how long he will be out, and what to expect for this season. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of stress here in, in Cleveland on the part of Browns fans right now. And I do feel for them. It's a very, very difficult time because they just don't know what to think right now. Mary, this is Vinny. Uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Um, to that point, when you look at the Deshaun Watson situation and you look at it from the Browns' perspective, uh, it's hard to imagine that one of a number of things didn't happen. They didn't vet this enough. They didn't care uh, enough. They feel like it's going to eventually all go away. Um, or they were caught by surprise. One of those things seems to have happened here. What's the most likely scenario uh, with this, uh, especially considering every? it seemed like every day something new was coming out about Deshaun? Well, I think that they anticipated that there would be uh, some bad press. They anticipated there would be stressful times, negative reaction, uh, that they would be losing in the court of public opinion for a while. But I think they felt uh, that, Deshaun Watson would get a suspension out of the way, maybe a six-game suspension or something along those lines, uh, maybe something that he could have even gotten down to four games, and then uh, you know, then he resolves the suits and, and they move on to football and go out and try to win themselves some Super Bowls. Uh, but the way that it's turning out right now is uh, you know, there is speculation that he could be suspended for as long as a year. Uh, I've said many times I think that an indefinite suspension uh, could be one option, something where the league wouldn't have to, you know, put a definite number on it and could just kind of wait and let the process play out a little bit. Uh, so that's something that, that could possibly happen. Uh, but, you know, I think the Browns probably did not expect uh, that, that it would be quite like this. Uh, how has uh, it been with Baker Mayfield? I hear some reports that the Panthers were willing to trade for him. Uh, is there any talk right now about what could become with Baker Mayfield? Well, I think the Browns are still in contact. They have remained in contact with the Panthers since they talked, you know, serious trade over draft weekend. And it mm-hmm. started even before that, but. Uh, They really got into it over draft weekend, and they just could not agree on the terms of the trade. Uh, The Panthers want the Browns to pick up a ton of the freight. Uh, Baker makes $18.86 million fully guaranteed for 2022. Uh, The Panthers don't want to pick that up. They are also paying that to Sam Darnold right now, uh, so they don't want two guys with those matching salaries that are, you know, perhaps, you know, not going to get them where they want to go. So uh, the Browns are going to have to find a way now. The higher the draft pick that they get in return, the more money they will be willing uh, to pay of Baker Mayfield's salary. So I still think they just have uh, some negotiating to do.
Mary Kay Cabot's here with us on the morning tailgate. Vinny, Heidi, and Clay here with you on Raider Nation Radio. The offense last year with Kevin Stefanski as head coach and Alex Van Pelt as the offensive coordinator, uh, that group is still uh, uh, in Cleveland. Why would what, what difference would the offense look with Baker Mayfield behind center versus Deshaun Watson? What would be like the uh, you know com, you know something that would be similar and something that would be different? Well, you know, Deshaun Watson, first of all, he's a dual-threat quarterback. His, his arm talent is off the charts. Uh, just everything, his athleticism, he's just a much better quarterback uh, than Baker Mayfield. You know, the downfield, passing, everything uh, just is on the table for you. But um, the thing with Baker is they have no plans of playing Baker Mayfield, even if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the year. They will then turn to Jacoby Brissett and still continue to try to trade Baker. Mary, um, obviously nationally people are going to have their feelings. I think that uh, to whatever extent Deshaun Watson is part of this team next year, um, he's going to hear about it uh, wherever he goes uh, if he is uh, out on the field. Uh, but locally, uh, the, you know, this Brown, Browns organization means so much uh, to uh, to that part of the uh, of the country, Cleveland in particular, Ohio, uh, that part of Ohio. There's a lot of pride among Browns fans. It's it's a thing uh, out there. I got to imagine they're conflicted a little bit with all of this. Um, what is the sense uh, from from typical Browns fans? Uh, about the presence of Deshaun, maybe not so much initially. Where okay, getting a great quarterback, but but now with with every new revelation. Well, you're you're right about that. In the beginning, I think it was kind of mixed, where it was sort of fifty fifty. People, half the people seemed really excited, half the people could not believe that the Browns would take on a situation like this. Then, with uh, Tony Busby, the plaintiff's attorney, continuing to add suits and continuing to say that, uh, you know, that they're going to join the Texans into the suits and sue them as well. Uh, And with the HBO special and the New York Times article, uh, every passing week brings more Deshaun controversy, and therefore I think that Busby and his side have gained the momentum, and they're winning in the court of public opinion, and I think it has shifted a little bit now to the point where, I would say maybe, you know, 60-40 uh, against Deshaun, whereas it was definitely closer to 50-50 at the outset. Wow. All of this is just so, like, in- intriguing to listen to you break it down. Uh, Mary, thank you for joining us. And I just wanted to, like, get into the idea of, like, what does this mean for the team? Like, as they're trying to go forward and think about training camp coming up here in a few weeks, how has the this affected, do you think, the team itself as all of this is going on outside with Deshaun Watson? Well, I'll tell you, it will continue to impact the team if nobody has any resolution on what's going on, foreclosure mm-hmm. or answers. But they expect to know what the situation will be by the time they head into training camp. So when that happens, then there will be a whole new round of questions to those players about, okay, so what are you going to do without Deshaun for the first, whatever, six weeks, eight weeks, year? How do you feel about Jacoby Brissett? I mean, this story is not dying down anytime soon. It will dominate the headlines. It will dominate everything that we try to do. And, again, you know, all of us that cover the Cleveland Browns right now, we're trying to write some football. Mm-hmm. We're trying to strike some kind of a balance. But it's very, very difficult uh, not knowing where this is all headed. 
Because I'm sure at this time of the year, you're, you're trying to figure out, all right, how does Kevin Stefanski avoid the breakdown that happened last year when you go, you know, two and, or, you know, yeah, it was two and three in December. You want to make sure that whatever happened last year doesn't get replicated because, you know, the Cleveland Browns were in the thick of it. And you could see that it was a very competitive division. But at the same time, is there confidence in what Stefanski's approach is in leading this team? Because now this division is so competitive. Oh, yeah, there's confidence in Stefanski. I think that everyone can see last year that uh, Baker Mayfield got hurt. He was not himself. And then there was sort of a breakdown in the relationship between Baker and Kevin Stefanski okay. just in terms of how Baker felt that he was being used. He did not really think that Kevin was playing to his strengths, max- maximizing his abilities. So uh, there was definitely a disconnect there. And then there was a ripple effect or a trickle-down effect that kind of infected the whole entire team and the Odell Beckham Jr. saga. It was just one thing after another. So I think that, you know, it wasn't a Kevin Stefanski issue, I don't think, as much as much as it was a Baker and Kevin issue together. Yeah, and I wanted to uh, to, to bring you there to uh, Baker, Baker Mayfield because in a lot of ways, uh, Mary, he, he, it was a case study in how not to handle things uh, professionally. Uh, he, he said some things, he did some things uh, that really just kind of derailed himself. Um, he probably would be somewhere in the NFL right now outside of Cleveland had he handled that thing a little bit better. Do you get the sense that there's any regret on Baker Mayfield's uh, case in, in terms of how he handled the potential uh, exit from Cleveland? You know what? I'm not really sure. Baker is Baker. He's been that way since college. We saw all of the, uh, you know, the activities by Baker, you know, when he was at Oklahoma and even Texas Tech. And so he's really no different than he was then. The Browns knew what they were getting or should have known what they were getting. And I do think that, you know, there might be some teams that, you know, that might not like that abrasive personality. So that could be hurting him. But I think more so than anything, it's the $18.86 million contract. If not for that contract, if he were, you know, a street free agent, or, I mean, there are plenty of teams that think that Baker Mayfield can win for them. Uh, so, I, you know, I think some teams would actually like the strong personality that he has. Mary, this is an interesting defense, and just lastly, the uh, the continuation of having somebody like Miles Garrett, you know, with the 16 sacks last year, uh, Cormora uh, really proved uh, that he's a fantastic player as well. What do, what are the expectations now? Because I think the defense continues to get stronger in spite of whatever uh, misgivings the offense may be going through. Yeah, I think that uh, no matter who plays at quarterback, they will have an excellent defense, a top five defense. Uh, to go along with them and to complement them. So, yeah, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, then, you, as you mentioned, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, I think he's going to take a big step up. The secondary is really good. Uh, so they have a little bit of everything. They will be a very attack-minded front. Uh, they've got great guys in the back end. So I, I think this will be a defense to really watch out for in 2022. Well, Mary, we really enjoy your work. Thank you again for coming on today and just giving us an update. We appreciate your time. We hope you have a, a, a very relaxing summer watching the Guardians uh, you know, tear up the Central. Oh, well, at least that's been uh, some good news for, for Cleveland fans. So, yeah, that's been fun. All right, Mary Kay, we appreciate your time. Have a great Thank day. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Take care. At Mary Kay Cabot <clears throat> on Twitter. It's, you know, it's, it's got to be difficult, especially if you're following a team and you've been doing it for so long. And yet there's this one thing that's holding over, uh, and it's like it, it's just a, a cloud that won't go away. And you're wondering, all right, 
you're nobody's in control of if Deshaun Watson's going to play or not play. You have to wait for this to come down, and it may not happen uh, today or tomorrow, but somewhere before training camp, uh, an update will be done on um, on his you know his eligibility. Deshaun Watson still kind of like hangs over this team as like will he or won't he be there? Yeah, no doubt about it, and it makes you appreciate um, if you're a Raider fan where your team is right now. Uh, there's no drama going on with the Raiders right now. What's the biggest? Okay, uh, is Alex Leatherwood going to be able to hold? down uh, the right tackle position and and this is in contrast to what happened last year everything that got thrown the Raiders way and they somehow survived it got stronger from it uh, were able to win 10 games and get to the playoffs and then put together what I consider a spectacular offseason to really set themselves up uh, moving into the 2022 season and you look around the league it's not just the Browns I mean that's that's taken to a whole other level but who's going to be the quarterback uh, in Seattle is is, is the Washington quarterback uh, going to pan out can Matt Ryan you know uh, uh, get back to being Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. There's a lot of uncertainty in the NFL, especially amongst some some teams that are trying to knock on that door. But here in Las Vegas, it's pretty much drama free, uh, and that's a good thing. Definitely. So, I mean, when you look to, I mean, I guess if you want to say that Basaccia uh, not being re- brought back as a head coach was drama, then that is probably the worst of this team's problems. I mean, he's <laughs> right? somebody that yeah. went and wrote letters to every you know player on the team at the end of the mm-hmm. year and just gave his thoughts to each of them and what a thoughtful man that yeah. we went through that process to do that and then so you know a lot of the players are really attached and looking forward to him coming back but you know even with McDaniel's there he can't go back to special teams coaching because then it well, breaks up the yeah and, and I think that Rich was the right man for the job at that particular moment yeah. but um you know at least in my reporting for, uh, of the Raiders I, I felt like the Raiders did a good job of not getting, not becoming prisoners of that moment, um, and and just rolling with Rich. I I, I thought that would have been a mistake. Uh, those are, that's my two cents. That's my thoughts. He was good for that situation, but I think long range, a guy like Josh McDaniels um, checks off a whole bunch of boxes. Oh yeah, I was just using it as yeah. an example no, of no drama. Like, yeah. yeah, but I mean, think about, think <laughs> about no, if you want right, to start though. if you want to start writing some stories yeah. on like we couldn't even talk about Njoku's contract with her or Amari Cooper Amari Cooper's presence with her because yeah, you could write a feature story on it and see what could be done, but it's all for naught because you right. have no idea on Deshaun Watson's availability. Yeah, it's impossible, and like the fact that they're paying him so much money oh my god that contract is just enormous enormous it's like you can't get away from it and like what are you doing guaranteeing promising money at that scale with all of this going on like so it's really funny i I was telling you i talked to someone serious it was a a ex-nfl player and i asked like you know just talking about like what all is going on and so long story short he says to uh, something to the effect of you know how many masseuses i had while i was in the nfl said how many he goes three yeah this guy played like 10 seasons so i was like oh my god yeah no there's there's definitely something going on uh there and and i think it was sam farmer last week from the la times who talked about and 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 really uh hit the nail on the head this was an ownership decision you don't you don't you don't do that you don't make this kind of a move with this kind of uncertainty and be willing to be okay with that kind of money without it being owner driven. This was an ownership move to go get Deshaun Watson. Uh, we're not even sure if the football people were uh, in, of course, Deshaun Watson without any drama or anything like that is obviously a huge upgrade over, over Baker Mayfield. Any team would want a Deshaun Watson, the talent on their team, but everything else, including the uncertainty that comes with it, 
this doesn't happen unless the owner says, I want this to happen. Yes, and uh, everyone has to fall in line. Those awful press conferences where Dee and Jimmy Haslam were like on, <laughs> on uh, you know, uh, was it on Skype? And then they had uh, the executive staff right in front of the media. They were taking all the bullets, and the Haslam's were like, "Yeah, well, we vetted this properly, and we made all the questions." But as Mary Kay Cabot says, we also have to look forward to Jacoby Brissett as being a possible starter in the NFL. Let's take a break. We'll come back more on this. We'll talk to Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest at eight o'clock. Go behind enemy lines to give you the intel you can't find anywhere else. It's Raider Nation Radio. Take- Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.